So it seems to me that what we might be skirting here, several months into the pandemic, day 52 of our confinement, week number eight of Shabbat by Zoom, is the God problem. We usually go light on God problems at Ner Shalom. We lead from the heart, from our experience of and longing for the divine. And we don't worry over much about the unreasonable demands of a consistent theology. But hard times do make you start to wonder. If there is a God, what kind of God is behind a world where people suffer in terrible ways? A God who permits or is somehow behind this suffering, a God who deals out life and death is, face it, a hard God to like. A lot of us in this room rejected the top-down, patriarchal, judgy God of our childhoods long ago. A lot of us were wounded by that God as women, as queers, as disabled people, as people who don't like to be told what to do. And we've struggled with what to replace him, because that God is pretty much always him, what to replace him with. So we have done all sorts of remediation in our spiritual lives and in our ritual communities. At Ne'er Shalom, we hardly ever use the G word. We might say the, the divine, or we lean into medieval Sufi and Jewish poetry and we say, the beloved. But the problem is less language than conception. We keep having that male king judge jabbering somewhere in the back of our heads. He remains present in virtually all our prayers, at least if you can read the Hebrew. And those are the moments where not knowing Hebrew can be a blessing. So as a corrective, sometimes we invoke Shekhinah, the divine feminine, to try to create some balance. And that makes a difference. But feminist theologian Judith Plaskow wonders sometimes about this. She is concerned on the one hand that we unfairly essentialize women when we attribute to the divine feminine all the aspects of nurturance and caring that we want to see in God. In other words, we solve our God problem by exacerbating our gender binary problem. Plaskow is also concerned that our devotion to the divine feminine is serving our questionable tendency to want to make God nice when God isn't necessarily nice. We might aspire to be gentle, loving people, and we therefore want a gentle, loving God, but that is not a complete picture of any of us nor of the divine. In Plaskow's words, quote, the God who speaks to the feminist experience of empowerment and connection must also speak to the frightening, destructive, and divisive aspects of our lives. In other words, our concept of God can't only include healing and love. It also has to take into account plagues and disasters the brutality of the natural world, and the brutality of human societies. If God is God, then our idea of God has to incorporate our dreams and our waking circumstances. 
the healing and the disease, the beauty and the danger. God must be God of humans and animals and plants and inanimate matter. God must be the God of our loved ones and the God of the people whose politics we detest. It is hard to imagine a God to be in close relationship with who can satisfy all those requirements. So maybe we let go of God being some kind of personality. We could just say God is the universe, the sum total of all of this. But if that is the case, if God becomes just natural forces, then as a practical matter, God doesn't exist. And why bother believing in God unless God is actually better than nothing? If we want to lean into seeing God as everything, then what we really want is for God to be everything plus. There must be some kind of intention, awareness, some kind of care behind the everythingness. I don't know what form the awareness and care need to take. I am not certain, for example, if for God to be God, we need God to intervene. But we do somehow need God to hear. In which case, if we're going to imagine God as being the sum total plus some additional element, I'm actually down with nice. If what we are doing in any theology is creating God in our own image, then nice ain't so bad. The upside to God being everything, or God being everything plus, is that we then are also God. We are God's actors in this world, alongside the deer and the grubs and the grass, the DNA strands and the viruses, and the laws of physics and biology. We are part of the brilliant complexity that produces both beauty and pain. So maybe the best we can do in plague time, the best we can do ever, is to just hold our God idea lightly. Hold it with some love and with some trembling. Bidchilu urchimu, as they say in Aramaic, with love and trembling. Because this is the best we can probably do. If we are committed to monotheism, which seems a reasonably Jewish kind of ask and a reasonably Jewish kind of commitment to make, then God is God of all of it, or God isn't God. As God says in the book of Isaiah, Yotzer o uvorei choshech, ose shalom uvorei ra, ani Adonai ose kol ele, the fashioner of light and creator of darkness, maker of peace and creator of evil. I am Adonai who does all of that. What we experience as good and what we experience as bad, all of it comes from God. So says Isaiah. So if we now let go of the idea that God is all good, that God is necessarily good at all, then what do we do with theology? What is the upside of a God that is the source of everything, even if not everything is to our taste?
Well, if God is all of that, and we are part of God, then we have the ability to affect who or what God is. If we want a God who cares about justice, we need to be the part of God that works tirelessly for justice. If we want a God who heals our hurts, we have to be the part of God that heals. When we say those 13 attributes on the high holy days, Adonai, Adonai, El Rachum Vechanun, that God is gracious and forgiving, patient and loving, it is not an observation, but an aspiration. God is those things if we make God those things, which we do by being gracious and forgiving, patient and loving. I confess our being the operating mechanism of the divine makes me both a little sad and a little excited. Our mystical tradition understood this dynamic even though they talked about it differently. So above as below, they said, if we are kind, we arouse the kindness of God. We offer chesed first and then the dam bursts and the waters of divine kindness flow. Certainly a more poetic way of understanding the importance of who we are and what we hold as important in relation to a divine eagerly waiting to see what we'll do next. Maybe that eagerness is the plus of everything plus. God is everything plus anticipation. The eagerness to see how the children of this universe will respond to this universe, how we might blossom and nurture all of creation's blossoming. And maybe we just don't worry so much about understanding or defining it all, and we just follow our gut. Reb Zalman, Zichor Livracha, used to say, all theology is the afterthought of a believer. So we might treat ourselves to the indulgence of believing, not as the outcome of a theological inquiry, but as an openness to an experience. And we see what we see, feel what we feel, and let the theology worry about itself. So with these new thoughts, and with a freedom to let go of them, we circle back to our opening question, Where is God in all of this? And the answer is maybe everywhere. And to the question of why God isn't intervening, the answer might be, of course God is intervening. In fact, we are doing so every day.